Hi, welcome to Pitt Town Church. We are so glad that you're listening to this podcast. We pray that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you would like more information, check out our website at www.pitttownchurch.com. Hi, my name's Alyssa and I'll be doing the Bible reading today. The reading is from Haggai chapter 2, verses 10 to 19. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet. This is what the Lord of hosts says. Ask the priests for a ruling. If a man is carrying consecrated meat in the fold of his garment and it touches bread, stew, wine, oil or any other food, does it become holy? The priests answered, no. Then Haggai asked, if someone defiled by contact with a corpse touches any of these, does it become defiled? The priests answered, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai replied, So is this people and so is this nation before me. This is the Lord's declaration. And so is every work of their hands. Even what they offer there is defiled. Now reflect back from this day. Before one stone was placed on another in the Lord's temple, what state were you in? When someone came to a grain heap of 20 measures, it only amounted to 10. When one came to the wine press to dip 50 measures from the vat, it only amounted to 20. I struck you, all the work of your hands, with blight, mildew and hail, but you didn't turn to me. This is the Lord's declaration. Consider carefully from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider it carefully. Is there still seed left in the granary? The vine, the fig, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not yet produced. But from this day on, I will bless you. They say if you want to know what someone loves the most, look at their Facebook page whether it's food or children or holidays or something else, our greatest love in, in what can be seen on Facebook. And if you're not on Facebook, it might be what you talk about the most, where you invest your time and money. But you can always know what a person loves the most by just looking at their life. So what do you love the most in all the world? What are you proclaiming to the world with your life? Who loves you and who do you love? Well, for the Jews returning to Jerusalem, it was themselves. Focused on their own houses, they refused to rebuild God's temple. Out of fear and because of their, their own selfish ambition, they simply built lovely houses for themselves. And it was clue, clear who they loved. It's not God, but themselves. And so God had responded in kind. The consequences for ignoring God was that God ignored them. Instead of providing for his people, God ignored them. And the Jews went hungry. And they experienced famines. No matter how hard they worked for themselves, how hard they planted and cultivated, the fields were empty. I'm sure they went through the, the motions of offering sacrifices to God, but their hearts were not in it. They were cultural Jews. They followed the rules they wanted to follow, but they didn't mean it. And they got what they deserved. Nothing. And so Haggai told them why all this had happened. 
they were ignoring God. They were giving him half-hearted worship and he was not the most important thing in their life. And you could tell. The temple was in ruins, but they lived in beautiful panelled homes. Haggai told them if they put God first and showed that by rebuilding the temple, God would respond to them. And so with the help of Haggai, Ezra, Nehemiah, Joshua and Zerubbabel, the people finally got serious about God and they started removing the rubble. And today was a great day, the day they dedicated the slab of the temple. The floor was set and they dedicated it to God. And Haggai gave them a message from God, verse 11. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garments, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? It's a very simple question. And it's a question that any Christian can answer from just reading one of the Gospels. In the Old Testament law, there were laws about cleanness and uncleanness. And there were three categories to everything. There was clean or defiled, uh, unclean or defiled, clean or neutral things, and then there were the things that were holy. Unclean were all the things that were forbidden or dirty, that were symbols of death or sickness or liquids that came out of your body and sin. All of these things were unclean and touching anything or anyone who was unclean made you also unclean. It was like a, the spiritual COVID. Being unclean meant you had to move further away from God and his temple. It was a time of isolation away from society and it often required a sacrifice to be restored. Every unclean thing was detestable to God, including people. And so to be Jewish meant that you had to have two homes, one in the city and one outside of town for when you were unclean. And so when I think about their lives, I reckon you would have spent almost half your life unclean. And that was the point. To be human was to be unclean and unworthy to be near a perfectly good, holy God. But with the right blood sacrifice, with the right cleansing, you could become neutral again. That is clean. That's right. Not holy, just clean. To be holy required even more blood sacrifices and special rituals. To be holy and close to God as a human being was very hard to maintain. And all it took was to come into contact again with something unclean, maybe something ordinary and natural coming out of your body, maybe a, a sniffle, maybe you came across a, a moldy loaf of bread and touched it, and you'd be straight back to unclean again. So Haggai points out to the people what they all should know if something holy touches something clean, does this clean thing become holy? And the answer is an obvious no. Holiness is not something easily passed on. It takes a whole effort to be holy. And so in verse 12 it says, The priests answered no. Then Haggai said, 
if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? And so Haggai asks from the opposite direction, what if a person touches the worst unclean thing there is, becoming unclean, and then touches the same clean stuff? Does that pass on? And that was the whole point of the whole clean and unclean laws. Sin and defilement always passed on. Sin and uncleanment was always spread. So verse 13, yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, so it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer, there is defiled. And that was Israel. Even when they were clean, nothing holy came from them. And when they were unclean, everything they did was defiled. Constantly floating in and out of sin and defilement, but never holy. And without a temple, they remained in the realms of sickness and death all their life. This Israel that now had returned home with no temple, no true sacrifices, they were constantly defiled, always unclean, and therefore always under the judgment. And without a temple, their sacrifices were also unclean and useless. Their sacrifices were an abomination to God. And all of this was because they didn't care about God and they disobeyed him. They left the temple in ruins. The temple was there to save them, but they ignored it and remained defiled, permanently unclean. But now they were listening. And Haggai offers this very important step. Verse 15. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. And so Haggai talks about how God punished them. All the work they put into their farms and how they got very little back. If you ignore God, what do you think you'll get? If you take God for granted, what do you think will happen? And God finishes this passage as the people begin to rebuild the temple with these words from verse 18. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought, is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. And after the temple is built and King Darius of Iran pays for the gold and silver for the temple to be restored and they offer proper sacrifices, God stopped the famines and provided for his people. But do not be fooled. There are no happily ever after endings in the Bible, except maybe the last chapter of the Bible. The laws of clean and unclean still prove true. People did not love God. That deep inside all of us is an unclean heart that... You and I in our natural state are sinners and defiled. 
In a few months, Ezra and Nehemiah will be ripping out men's beards because many of the people lied to God. They did not change. Their hearts were no closer to God than before. They may have returned to Jerusalem, but many, the many, they may have rebuilt the temple, but they were just as far away from God than the ones who had never returned home. See, when Jesus was in the world, he pointed to the temple and said, tear down this temple and I will raise it in three days. And this naturally horrified the Jews. It was, it was the place in which they met God. It was the place they offered their sacrifices. But Jesus was saying that he was the new temple. He was the ultimate place to meet God because he was the son of God. But more than that, he was the place where the greatest, most perfect sacrifice was going to be made. Jesus would sacrifice himself in the place of bulls and sheep. Instead of the blood of animals that could never pay for sin, Jesus poured out his own human blood. The blood of the perfect man paid for our sin. And Jesus who never did sin, who always obeyed God, he stands in our place and took hell for us. The Holy One of God, our Jesus, is our temple and he is our sacrifice. But even more than that, he is the one who takes away our uncleanness and makes us holy. See, when I read this passage my mind goes to a particular woman that Jesus came across. A woman aged about 25 years old, but in regards to clean and unclean, she was the ultimate unclean woman, what we would call a zombie. She was a living corpse. She was an unclean, she was as unclean as a dead body, but somehow she was still alive. See, she'd been bleeding for 12 years. Probably since she matured from a girl and into a woman, she's always been bleeding, and it never stopped. White as a ghost, constantly living outside of the city, never able to touch anyone or anything because it would become unclean, always alone. And then one day she hears about this guy called Jesus. Story after story of how he can heal people. And she gets the idea in her head, maybe Jesus could heal her. And one great day, she hears that Jesus is coming. And so she drags herself up and does the unthinkable. She's going to go to Jesus and touch him. The Holy One of God who is pure and takes away the sin of the world, everything from people, demons, disease, he heals the sick and the blind. Some even say that he can raise the dead and he forgives sins. It will be the ultimate battle between holiness and uncleanness, mono on mono. And she gets there and the crowd is massive. There are people just everywhere and it's clear She's not going to get Jesus on his own. Does she dare? With all these people, if she hopes to be healed, she's going to have to touch people to get to Jesus. She's going to have to push past people to get to him. 
That means she's going to make them all unclean as she bumps into them. If you thought COVID was bad, she is a spiritual Ebola. As she bumps into one person, that person will be unclean and who he touches will be unclean and then that person will be unclean. And so in in just a few seconds, as she pushes through to the edge of the crowd, they will all become unclean in a second. They'll be all spiritually unclean, surrounding Jesus. And in a shocking act, she pushes through person to person until there is just one moment where she can just touch his coat. And in that moment, it's like time stands still. Well, certainly for Jesus, because he feels the moment as she touches him. And in that battle between life and death, between holy and unclean, the law is broken. Holiness spreads. Jesus does not become unclean. His purity disinfects her. Holiness wins and uncleanness is defeated. The ultimate unclean is defeated and Jesus' holiness devours her illness and she is healed. Her uncleanness is gone. Everything that we learn from Haggai 2 changes and Jesus sees her. In a world of COVID, are you loving Jesus like that? Are you so focused on Jesus like that or are you falling asleep like the Jews? Because we've got to come back to the point in all this. What is your life devoted to? Who loves you and who do you love? Is it your children, the food you eat, the the places you go? What do you spend your money and time on? Is it just like this world and spend your money on your houses or on things for your house? Are you trying to build your own Garden of Eden in the backyard? Maybe you love cars or electronic items and gadgets. If we are God's people, then wouldn't our hearts be completely devoted to God first? And if it's not, how are we any different to the Jews? Or how can we give God some of what we want, but we keep so much of it for ourselves, devoting ourselves to unimportant things, forgetting that this is not what life is about. Life is about God and his temple. It's about getting close to God through his sacrifice. It's about once being unclean before God and now by following Jesus, becoming completely holy in one big jump. It's about being a child of God and able to come close to God all the time. It's about who loves you and who do you love. It's God, isn't it? Shouldn't we love him more than anything else in this world? Now tell me, Is Jesus more valuable to you than anything else in this world? All I see is a world that keeps rejecting God and is suddenly surprised when God takes back his blessings and the the world's pie just keeps getting smaller. If you ignore God, don't you think that 
he might start ignoring us. Everything good comes from the hand of God. And the only right thing in life is to love God with all your heart, all your mind, soul and strength. And if we don't, we should not expect that things will go well for us. Now tell me, who, what do you really love? 